So last week, if you weren't here, we began this, this two-week mini-series, if you will, entitled Not a Fan. And we spent last week talking specifically about the difference. See, many of us, we've confused following the rules for following Jesus. So last week, we, we hit this hard. Following Jesus is all about relationship. Until we get that part of it, nothing else is going to make any sense. However, when we really start to, to walk daily in this relationship and live out of this relationship, we will all eventually come to the conclusion that in this relationship, God is the one who dictates the terms, not the other way around, right? Right? So if you want to be an authentic follower of Jesus, then you must come to Jesus on his terms. So the question I want to propose to each of you this morning as we dive into our study is this. Are you following Jesus or are you following your own desires? We're going to be studying out of Luke chapter 9. If you want to go ahead and start flipping there, but just just to give a little context as, as we get into the scripture today. When a Jewish boy reached age 15, the best of the best, the, the cream of the crop in his class would be handpicked by the rabbi to continue in, in further study called Bet Talmud. Now, the, the goal of Bet Talmud was to one day raise up these young men so that they would, by the age of 30, become a rabbi themselves. Yet we know that when a young man was chosen by the rabbi, they literally left everything. They left their jobs, their family, or sorry, their homes, their family trade, everything that they knew to go follow the rabbi. So if the rabbi went to the market, the Talmud went to the market. If they went into the town, so did the Talmud. If, if they went to, to visit a sick person, so did the Talmud. And if the rabbi slept, so did the Talmud. And the rabbi ate, so did the Talmud. You, you get the picture. Literally, every step of every day, the, the Talmud would follow in the dust of the rabbi. So when Jesus invites you and I to follow him, he's essentially inviting us to do the exact same thing. To follow him every step of every day. To go where he goes to do what he does. Now in Luke chapter 9, at the the end of the chapter, we're going to be in verses 57 to 62. We're going to be introduced to three people who, they, they appear to be eager to follow Jesus. However, as Jesus starts laying out some of the terms of the relationship and they really start to process the implications for them, it seems almost that they start to second guess their decision. Before you know it, like any fan would, they start to negotiate the terms of the relationship. And well, at the end of the conversations, we find out that these guys at the end of the day were nothing more than fans. So as we study now these three interactions that Jesus has, I want to draw out just three simple implications of what it really means to follow Jesus. Starting now in verse 57, the, point, the first point I want to make is that following Jesus means wherever. We see this now in verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, 
Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So I'm not going to lie, out of the gate, this, this sounds impressive to me. Like this guy says, I'll literally go wherever to follow you, Jesus. To me, it sounds like this guy's sold out. He is all in. But notice again, Jesus's response. He says, okay, well, you'll follow me wherever. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man, me, I have nowhere to lay my head. I can just picture Jesus right there. He's like, hey, bro, I'm homeless. I imagine that this would have pushed many would-be followers away from following Jesus. I mean, this, this guy comes up to Jesus and he says, I'll follow you literally wherever. So Jesus immediately points him to a place that's going to threaten his comfort and security. And then he asks, what about there? You know, I, I think for a lot of us, it's, it's easy to talk about following Jesus in general terms. I mean, almost every Sunday, we, we sing songs in church about following Jesus. One of my personal favorites, I think it's a, a Chris Tomlin song. The, the lyrics go something like, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I will follow you. And you know, we get all excited, and maybe we really do mean it when we sing those lyrics. But honestly, what does that really mean in our lives? You see, it's easy to, to get excited about that stuff when it doesn't cost you anything. However, as soon as it gets specific, that's when it starts to get a little scary. See, following Jesus means you literally go wherever Jesus goes. So for a moment, let's move from general to specific. And just just ask yourself, if Jesus were to look at your life and say, will you follow me? Yeah, I'll follow you wherever. But then he, he looked at your life and he said, what about there? What is that one area where you just find it hardest to follow Jesus? I mean, maybe it's, it's with your family and, and your marriage or with your kids. Maybe it's in the, the workplace with your colleagues. Maybe it's your, your friends outside of church. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's outside of Loganville. Maybe it's outside of your race. Maybe it's outside of your country. To be just completely honest, I remember when I came to faith, at age 22 in Christ, it happened in the Dominican Republic, and, and something just really changed inside of me. I, I knew I was different and, and that my life was going to look radically different, but I got back to college. I had one semester left at Indiana University to finish up, and I, I just remember making deals with God, like, God, I'll, I'll literally go wherever you want me to go. Like, I'll even go back and serve in the Dominican, but it was almost like God just stopped me in my tracks, and he's like, what about right there at Indiana University? Will you follow me there? And I remember just wrestling with that. I was like, well, you don't understand, Jesus. Like, none, none of my college friends are, are into this Jesus thing. Like, it's just not going to work right now, but I'll, I'll go wherever. And it was almost like he told me, it's just like, you got to follow me here first before you can follow me there. And to be honest, I never really did follow Jesus that last semester. Looking back, I I think I was more afraid of protecting my reputation than I was following Jesus. But I I think 
This verse reveals to us why it's so difficult to follow Jesus wherever. Because if you choose to follow Jesus wherever, you can be sure that he'll point you to, number one, an uncertain place. A place that will require risk. I mean, think about Jesus' response here. And if the man says yes, and he doesn't know where he's going to end up, let alone if he'll even have a place to lay his head at night. I think... This guy says no, partly because he's just afraid to say yes. See, fear always begs the question, what if? Well, what if, Jesus? If, what if I get ridiculed or rejected? What if I can't make ends meet? You know, what if it costs me my reputation? What if I have to like get in front of people and be vocal about my faith? What if you end up calling me overseas? What about my family's safety? Psychologists say that our number one response to fear as human beings is avoidance. Number two, we can pretty much guarantee that if you follow Jesus to wherever he points you, it's, it's going to be an uncomfortable place, a place where he will call you to move outside of your comfort zone. Now, this might sound a little crazy to some of you, but moving down here to the south at first, you know, I, I felt very outside of my comfort zone. Like, number one, you know, I was far away from family, and you know, number two is just, to be honest, difficult to understand people here. No offense, it's just a different accent. And, and seriously, I mean, I, I didn't listen to country music. I didn't wear boots. I didn't drive a truck. I didn't own a gun. I said pop instead of coke. I said cart instead of buggy. I said you guys instead of y'all. And here I am like, man, how, how am I even going like, to relate to these people here? I've changed for the better. <laughs> but essentially, when, when God moves us to a place that is outside our comfort zone, he's moving us to a place where saying yes to him means saying no to me. It's really that simple. So we see in verse 58, for some of us, it might entail traveling from town to town, not really having a place to call home. But I think the point that Jesus wants to get across here is that if you truly want to follow me, then you must be willing to give up all earthly comforts. See, whether he calls you across the street or across an ocean, the call to follow Jesus is a radical call to abandon earthly comforts, to better know him and to make him known. So that might mean the comfort of living close to family, the comfort of being able to afford a nice new home, the comfort of a, a nice, neat reputation, the comfort of living in a place where you're familiar. I'm not implying that you should go home and sell all your stuff and tomorrow move to a third world country, but I am challenging you. If you really want to be a follower of Christ, then you must be willing to go wherever Jesus goes, even if that means saying no to yourself. The second point I want to make is that following Jesus means whenever. Look at verse 59 and 60 now. Now to another he said, follow me. 
But the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So the last guy, he came to Jesus. This, this time, Jesus approaches another man and the same two-word invitation he extends. Follow me. When I read this for the first time, I mean, it appears like this guy is willing. Notice his first word is Lord. Now, that, that was a term that a slave back in that day would have used to address their master. So it seems like this guy at least maybe recognizes the authority of Christ. Like he has something going for him. But then notice his, his next remark. He says, but first. There it is. The excuse. See, he, he wants to follow Jesus, but now it's just not a good time. So he makes an excuse to put Jesus off for a while. Yet, based on verse 60, it doesn't look like Jesus is all that interested in this man's excuse. Look at his response again. He says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, I read this, and I'm going to be honest. It's like, all right, Jesus, that sounds a little crazy, dude. Like, just chill out a little bit. But let's understand the context here. The, the, the dad was most likely still living. So when the man makes this request, you know, let me first go and bury my parents, what he's really saying is that when my parents die, then I'll follow you. So we don't know why exactly he feels this way. Maybe he was afraid that he wouldn't have his parents' approval if he followed Jesus. Maybe he was waiting for his father's inheritance when he passed her. Maybe he just simply was not willing to move away and to be far away from family. We don't know, but I do think this guy's story should especially resonate with a lot of us. See, it's not that he's unwilling. It's just not good timing. It's not that he's necessarily, necessarily saying no. He's just saying, not right now. I think for so many of you, you're, you're perfectly comfortable with following Jesus half-heartedly because one day you do have every intention of going all in. You ever notice that we seem to treat Jesus like the new diet or the new workout program we keep meaning to start? Tomorrow, for sure, Jesus, I'm all in. But first, you know, let me graduate college. Let me just, you know, have some fun and, and do me a little bit. And, but first, let me start a family and get established. But first, you know, let me climb the ladder and get some financial security. And then, but first, you know, let, let's just wait till life kind of slows down a little bit. Then, you know, we'll follow you, Jesus. You know, it took me about probably two and a half to three years until I really decided to follow Jesus after I came to faith in Christ at age 22. You know, in that time, I, there's, I just, I wrestled, it was back and forth, and I just, I refused to go all in. I got my first job out of college, and they moved me down to Miami, Florida, and there were a lot of distractions there. I got caught up early on in just the club scene down there and everything that comes with that. And I can't tell you how many times I made the excuse, like, you know, just this one last time. And then, you know, tomorrow for sure, like I'm ready to go all in. Just the same excuse over and over. Till one day, fortunately, I think by God's grace, my senior rep that I worked with down in Miami, he, uh, 
just continued to invite me to his church, man, just talking about how awesome their church was. And, and finally, one day, I think I was just tapped out. I was sick and tired of living the way I was living. I just felt so empty, and I knew better at this point. So I remember just choosing to go one Sunday morning, and, and that, that Sunday morning was a game changer. The, the, there was just something different about that church and, and the, just the passion that the pastor preached with. And I remember he gave an altar call at the end, and I, you know, I was already a believer, but I remember just popping out of my seat, and I was the first person down that aisle. And, and I got to the front, and I just remember praying. I'm like, Jesus, I will follow you now. I don't know what that looks like, but I'll follow you now, finally. Thankfully for me, my tomorrow came, but not without the consequences of all the things I put off yesterday. Notice Jesus' response in verse 60. Oh, it's cool, bro. Take your time, and I'll be here when you're ready. No, that's not what he says at all. He says, let the dead bury the dead. I think verse 60 should be a very clear indicator of how Jesus feels about our excuses and our procrastination. Jesus calls us to follow him today, partly because I think he's painfully aware of what might happen in the land of tomorrow. A lot of us, we know well, it's in the land of tomorrow where you find lost relationships and addictions and unmanageable debt and broken promises and haunting regrets, just to name a few. Even more so, I think Jesus realizes that our tomorrow may never come. See, the, the more we put off following Jesus, the, the less likely we are to ever really follow him. I don't know, do we have any fans of the, the snooze button in here? Okay, a couple of y'all. I'm, I'm a big fan of the snooze button. There's just something psychologically that just brings comfort to my soul to know that I still have more time to sleep. So I'll, I'll go so far as to set my alarm like 30 minutes, sometimes an hour before I actually have to get up. My wife loves that, by the way. <laughs> but I can't tell you how many times the, the snooze button has come back to uh, bite me in the butt. Can I say that in church? Behind, right? But seriously, how, how many times that I've gone to hit the snooze and then I'll hit it again. And before you know it, I think I'm, I'm more tired and sleepier than, than I was when I first woke up. And instead of hitting the snooze button, I end up hitting the off button. And that never ends well. But I, I think so many of us, we treat Jesus like we treat our snooze button. He says, follow me. And we say, well, 10 more minutes and 10 more minutes and 10 more minutes. And the, the more we put him off, the less likely he is to get our attention until eventually we manage to just shut him out completely. I took an intro to psych course and I remember something called the as now, so then principle. And to put it simply, it means that our current habits today will be the most likely predictor of our current habits tomorrow. The decisions you and I make today will most likely be the decisions you and I make tomorrow. So I think it's, this is why the, the author of Hebrews writes with such urgency in chapter 3, verse 15, when he says, today, keyword, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in your rebellion. 
See, if you want to follow Jesus, the time is now. The day is today. Don't tell yourself, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll surrender my secret sin. Tomorrow I'll reach out and extend forgiveness. Tomorrow I'll end this destructive relationship or I'll delete this phone number or I'll take a break from social media. Tomorrow I'll surrender and obey or tomorrow I'll go where you're calling me to go, God. No, following Jesus starts today. Following Jesus starts right now. The third point I want us to see now is that following Jesus means whatever. Let's read verse 61 and 62. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Uh, Apparently, this guy missed the last conversation. Notice we see the same excuse again. He says, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus. But first, you know, let me say goodbye to my family, which I read that. And it doesn't sound like an unreasonable request, right? Once again, you you read Jesus's response and you're like, man, that's just a little extreme. Jesus, like, throw the dude a bone. Let him go say bye-bye to his family. But once again, within the context, we understand that Culturally, to, to say goodbye to your family and to leave your home, to leave your, your area, if you will, Jesus understood that that could have taken weeks, even months with numerous farewell parties. So this guy really was just making an excuse to put Jesus off for a while and to buy some time. But we see here that Jesus is he's almost annoyed at this point. He uses what would have been a very familiar analogy about a worker who goes out to plow the field, yet he's not focused on his work. Instead, he keeps looking back. Jesus knows that this man's request reveals where his heart really is. He keeps looking back because there's something back there that still has a hold of his attention and his affection and keeps him from going all in to follow Jesus. I just want you to imagine this scenario for a second. Imagine husbands, when when you proposed to your wife or you young men in the front row one day when you hopefully propose to your wife that you get down on one knee and you ask for her hand in marriage, and she says, well, sounds good, but first, let me go sort things out with my ex. I don't know about you, but that just wouldn't fly well with me. But we, we essentially, we, we say the same thing to Jesus when we're held back by a past affection that keeps us from moving forward. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll give up everything to follow you, Jesus. But then he looks into your life and he says, well, what about that? And we're like, oh, well, I, I, I didn't think that was part of the deal here. And once you know, or before you know it, we're the ones trying to negotiate the terms, So ask yourself, what's the one area of your life where Jesus would look at it and say, what about that? In Psalm 106, verse 20, the the psalmist, he's remembering the days of the Exodus, and he writes this. He says, they, meaning Israel, traded their glorious God for a statue of a grass-eating bull. Did you guys catch that? 
That, that trade there, just it, to me, the, the math doesn't add up. It doesn't sound like a good trade or even a logical trade. But that's a picture of what happens when you and I are, are held back by past affections that keep us from moving forward into all that God has for us. We're essentially exchanging something that is dead for following the living Christ. I think the reason Jesus is so adamant here is because he knows that the one thing we are most reluctant to give up is the one thing that could most easily become a God replacement. So he, he insists, he insists that we stop looking back and that we move forward. And when we continue to look back, basically it's just an indicator of where our hearts really are. Something back there still has a hold of our hearts. The great theologian Augustine called this disordered loves. Not that they're not legitimate, but that they're out of order in our lives. Our priorities simply aren't right. But when we read verse 62 again, Jesus says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Realize what is at stake here. What he's essentially saying is, yeah, you can hold on with clenched fists to your puny little kingdom right now. Or you you can let go of and lay down your kingdom in exchange for God's eternal kingdom right here and forever. However, you can't have them both. Until you really go all in and surrender anything and everything in your life. Until Christ becomes just the first and ultimate affection of your heart, you'll never truly experience the the joy, the satisfaction and fulfillment, the purpose that finally comes when you go all in. I want to close with a quick story. Just about two weeks ago, I think it was, my, my grandma from Indiana, she gave me a call. And understand, after Jesus, nobody loves me like my grandma. And Grandma, um, she, she presented me with an opportunity. She had a, a very convincing sales pitch. I'm not going to lie. But for those of you who don't, don't know about my family, I, I come from three generations of the furniture business. Uh, my, my dad's now uh, running the furniture business back home. And my grandpa is getting ready to retire. And my grandma basically was trying to convince me to move back north to, to help with the furniture business. And like I said, it, it was convincing. I mean, she, she laid out all her sales points and, you know, she, she started, you know, you're, you're going to be close to family and you're going to, you're going to make good money and you'll have, you know, just really good financial security when you're, you and Brittany are ready to start a family. And she even said this, she's like, and you can even talk to the customers about Jesus. Like, all right. All right, grandma. But no, in, in all seriousness, I mean, just what a, what a cool business and, and how just over the generations they have reflected Christ in their business. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, though. It, it was tempting. I mean, as, as I thought about it, I'm like, man, I would love to be close to my family. I would love to get to work with my dad every day. And in my opinion, he is the greatest man in the world. And, and it would nice to just kind of have that, that stability and know that in the future there, there's some financial security. And, 
you know, I, I thought about it, but I'm like, you know, I don't want to break grandma's heart, but, you know, I got to tell her the truth. So in my best attempt, you know, I, I, I told her, I said, grandma, you know, me being in, in ministry, I think I just want you to understand that this was a calling before it was a choice. You know, like I, I, I pursued the business world after college and I was in the corporate world and I made pretty good money. And not to say that that time was ever wasted, but at the end of the day, I was so empty because I wasn't doing the very thing God created me to do. So I know that as, as comfortable and as nice it would be to be up there close to family, I, I would be miserable at the end of the day if I'm not doing the very thing God created me to do. So yeah, the future is a little uncertain, but I know the one I'm following, and that for me is enough. In telling you this story, I'm not implying that you, you should all quit your jobs tomorrow and go into full-time church ministry, but I am encouraging you to go all in, to not look back, to go wherever Jesus goes, whatever it might cost you. I'm reminded of the lyrics to one of the great hymns, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. As we close now, I challenge you just, just to plant the stake in the ground. Say, I'll follow Jesus today. I'll follow Jesus now with open hands, wherever, whenever, whatever. And see what God won't do when you finally go all in.